to Nutrition Tactics Talk 6. My name is Joran Trommelen. I'm here with Alejandra Monzik, Milan Betts and Cas Fuchs. And today we're going to talk about sports rings. So very quickly, what is a sports rig? Almost anything can classify as a sports rink. Um, but when I think of sports rings, I mostly think of like Gatorade. Uh, so what's what's in there? Uh, well, it's fluid, obviously, a little bit of uh, electrolytes and some carbohydrates. Those are like the main ingredients. Of course, you have all kinds of other sports rings, protein shakes, and well, any, anything you can think of. Maybe we'll cover those at the end, but the focus now is mostly on drinks like Gatorade. So let's start there. Uh, any of you ever had a Gatorade or something similar? Yes. Uh, a, a drink. <laughs> that's uh, that's a Dutch one. Yeah, it's, I was just wondering. That's I think just in the Netherlands or not? Yeah. Or maybe Belgium as well. And, and do you even know what the AA stands for? Because I had no clue until like a year ago. Something with active, I think, or not? I think it's called after activity. Ah, really? yeah, that's correct. I think yeah. you're right. But like no one knows. But and then I, uh, I once looked it up as well a long time ago. I think well, you're right. That means you take it after activity, I guess. So you don't take it during sports, not before sports. Like, I guess those are topics uh, that we'll address uh, today. But uh, so uh, is your favorite or is just because it's a Dutch one? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, back in the day when I was... Uh competing in the track and field i used to always get like a AA drink with me like on a competition day i mean i don't really think i needed it because i was either throwing like a discus or javelin uh, or i was sprinting like a hundred meter so if i look back at it i probably didn't didn't need it really but i did like just the taste and uh i felt like i had some more energy Okay, so that already uh, raises uh, a new topic, like maybe you need it for some kind of sports, but not for other types of sports. Uh, but it's funny that you took the actor after activity drink <laughs> during sports. But I, I didn't know back then, so. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it's good or bad uh, marketing. And you, Floof, any, any drinks? No, I only drink uh, stuff like Gatorade when I'm sick, actually. Oh, why? Why? <laughs> What's uh... well? Yeah, if I'm like if I'm sick and like throwing up and stuff, and uh, yeah, I was always told that you should uh, drink them for the electrolytes that you're losing and stuff. Okay. Well, I now envision crazy hangovers and stuff that you're if you're worrying about your electrodes while uh, <laughs> electrolytes while throwing over them. I think you gotta go to the supermarket for next Friday uh, <laughs> to buy a stack. I think it's going to be hopefully not necessary this year. <laughs> uh, what's uh, what's next day. Friday, Cos? Best best time of the year in the south of the Netherlands, right? Carnival. <laughs> so uh, so what is it? So, but... I heard today you're that you're also gonna join. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. What's uh, what's Carnival, Cos? 
Carnival, I think I think most people actually know what Carnival is because it's also popular in like Venice and in Brazil and stuff. Uh, but in the south of the Netherlands, and I think also I'm, I'm actually not think I'm sure in the, in the specific part in Germany and also in Belgium they they celebrate this. Um, yeah, I mean to be completely honest, don't ask me about the whole history behind it because <laughs> I just know it as like five days in a row of uh, going uh, going crazy. Just drink a lot and uh, have fun and i mean i'm not a big fan of the music but like the partying and everything is quite fun so basically five days at everything is almost everything is allowed and uh, people are like drunk on the streets and like during the afternoon and stuff like that which may sound crazy and weird if you're not used to it but it's actually quite fun yeah, i always uh, explain it as uh, just five days of halloween not one day but five days <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess we'll uh, have to get into the topic at some point. So uh, you're not even gonna ask me what I what my favorite drink was. When I was, <laughs> you I was do, waiting for this the whole time. You do I sports. Really about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Now I expect a, a massive story. No, I just just I wanted to say that I liked Aquarius when I was playing. Ah, <laughs> yeah, of course. That's a good one. Yeah. Good, nice. But so, what did you like about it? Like, did you like the bottle, the taste, or were you like, "Wow, best ingredients"? The taste, but I mean, I mean, this is a long time ago. I haven't drank Aquarius in a long time, actually. But when I was younger, I was playing football. I always liked the Aquarius for the taste, but also the bottle is actually quite cool as well. <laughs> What's cool about it? It's, I love how I how all these <laughs> high level researchers like fall for all the marketing, like go crazy about the the name of the drink and the bottle. <laughs> But okay, so I hear soccer. So Milan looking back is like, mm, not sure if I needed it. You looking back, like, could sport drinks have some purpose in soccer or? I uh, know that probably not back then. I was young. Um, I was eating my meals. I think at that age, it's not really necessary. It's more for the taste. I think it's 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 it can be relevant at like an older age. Um, I mean, if you play high, high in, at a, like at a high level, at high intensities, etc., then it can be useful to drink sports drinks during soccer. But for the young people, it's not necessary, especially not if they have like normal meals and stuff like that, which they, of course, would typically have. All right, so um, let's discuss what uh, these sports drinks uh, are supposed to do, and then we'll get into uh, if they indeed do it, if for certain sports they are useful, or if they just taste good, which is so far the unique selling point I've heard. So uh, again, sport drinks, they have uh, water, electrolytes and carbohydrates. So the fluid, I, I always find this uh, interesting is people think that dehydration on its own is like a huge problem, but it's actually not. It's like secondary problems as a result of dehydration. Uh, for example, if you're dehydrated, dehydrated in a, a very cold environment, you barely see any negative consequences from dehydration. It's just that it's very difficult to uh, regulate your body temperature when you're dehydrated. Um, so fluid, uh, yeah, you definitely need it in some sports. Uh, it's usually pretty obvious. If you sweat a lot, you need to replace it, uh, I think. Anyone can uh, envision that sport drinks could be useful for that. 
our uh, sports drinks much better at that than normal drinks. We, we might get into that later, but water alone could do the job in most circumstances. Uh, electrolytes, uh, similar story. You lose them um, when you're sweating a lot. So if you sweat a lot, you might need to replace them sometimes when you're hangover for some people. Um, but like the main thing that's really a performance or at least potentially performance maker or breaker are the carbohydrates. So why do we care about carbohydrates and exercise? Well, you have two main fuels during exercise, carbohydrate and fat. And fat is amazing. We have so much energy as fat in our body. It's kind of crazy. Like, let's say I would run a marathon right now and I would look at my body I wouldn't be like, wow, I lost almost all my body fat. I have no energy stores anymore. I'm, I'm starving. No, I, I probably wouldn't even notice uh, a difference in the amount of fat mass that I have. So I have more than enough energy in my fat stores to do multiple marathons in a row. No, no issue. But of course, in practice, it is a little bit of an issue because even though we can store a lot of energy in our body fat, we can only use that energy at a very low rate. So it would be relatively easy for me to start walking and just keep on walking because it's very low pace. I only need a little bit of energy. I can get that energy from my fat. I have plenty of fat, unfortunately. Uh, so I can just keep on going. Um, but if I'm trying to run a marathon, so a much higher pace, uh, that pace would be faster than the energy I could get from my body fat. And that's where carbohydrates come in. Carbohydrates are pretty much the exact opposite. Uh, you can only store a relatively small amount of them, um, but you can use that energy much more rapidly. So anytime you do anything at a relatively high intensity, uh, a relatively large proportion of your energy comes from your carbohydrates. So carbohydrates, they're great. Uh, the drawback is just you run out of carbs relatively fast. So after one marathon, there's no way you can do that second marathon at the same pace because you're pretty much out of carbohydrates. Uh, so you basically lost one of your fuel sources. Now, when you hear this whole story, you might think, well, why do we store all our energy then as body fat? Why not simply store it as carbohydrates if you can just use it faster? But of course, there's a good reason our bodies do that. Um, as you might know from nutrition, fat is more caloric dense than carbohydrates and a similar principle uh, applies in your body as well. So one gram of body fat has about seven to eight calories. It's a little bit different than in your nutrition, but let's not go into that. While one gram of carbohydrates has more like four calories, which means if you want to store the same amount of energy uh, that you have in your fat in carbohydrate stores in your body, you need double the mass. So you would replace 10 kilograms of fat with 20 kilograms of carbohydrates. So you're much bigger and you're heavier, which is, of course, not ideal. Now, this is complicated even further um, because to store carbohydrates, which are stored in the form of glycogen, 
either in the liver or in muscle, you also need to store water, which is like around three grams of water for each gram of carbohydrates. So in practice, this means that to store one kilogram of body fat, you would replace it with like six kilograms of body weight if you want to store muscle glycogen. So that's the reason why we don't have big glycogen stores because we all would be very huge. We have to carry way much, way more weight around. Uh, carbohydrates are really for relatively short, higher intensity activities. So again, fat, we have plenty. There's no need to take extra fat because we have more than we can burn anyway. Carbohydrates, the exact opposite. So that raises the possibility, hey, if we can only store a little bit of uh, carbohydrates in our bodies, can we take in some carbohydrates during exercise to supplement or limited storage? Uh, for example, uh, by taking sports drinks. Uh, and that's pretty much uh, what we're going to discuss here. Um, but the way I just see it as carbohydrates are fuel. If you do something for you know, longer than an hour and you try to do it at a high intensity, you need carbohydrates because it's the only fuel you can use at a high rate. Um, you just need as much carbohydrates available as fuel. So how do you do that? Ideally, you start any sporting event with the highest possible amounts of glycogen stores. During exercise, you want to keep your uh, glucose availability as high as possible. So probably you might uh, have to consume some, for example, sport drinks during exercise. And then after exercise, you want to replenish your uh, glycogen stores as fast as possible. So you're ready for your next training, next competition, etc. So let's uh, get into some details. Um, Milan, let's say that uh, you're gonna train for a marathon. And- uh, Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's very unbelievable, but imagine. Hypothetical. <laughs> so uh, you're training for a marathon. Uh, you basically know that carbohydrate stores are important. So you want to have as much carbohydrate available uh, during the race. How do you make sure that at the start of the race, you have the biggest possible glycogen stores? How, uh, how would you approach that? Or is absolutely nothing necessary? Maybe you can't even influence it. Yeah, you can, uh, you can influence it. And I think a lot of people heard of uh, carbohydrate loading before. Um, so uh, it, I think it, it's already like 50 years ago that the first uh, studies were, were done on this. And it uh, was quite interesting because in these first studies, I think it was uh, somewhere in Scandinavia, and they, they wanted to see how they could like manipulate muscle glycogen stores uh, before some kind of exercise test. And then they just let the uh, participants do three days of, of like insane training uh, and pretty much no carbohydrate intake. So their glycogen stores were almost fully depleted. And then afterwards it was uh, three days of like very, very high carbohydrate intake. And then um, basically no training or very, very little. I think it was even no training. Uh, and that would then cause like some kind of super compensation. So then because 
like the muscles somehow sensitized for for carbohydrates and for glycogen synthesis then the high intake and no activity would really like increase increase glycogen stores quite a bit and i think they also showed that it then could increase exercise performance so i think that's kind of where it originated so there was already like 1970 ish um and i think pretty soon a lot of uh, people were like it's not really practical to uh, do such a thing right before an important race or something um so i think much more recently there have been quite some studies where they just go you kind of taper your training so you train a bit less every day and you just increase your carbohydrate intake every day and that should more or less give uh give the same result but i think uh as there have been studies they they show that you can like basically within a couple of days, you can like almost double your, your muscle glycogen stores, which is pretty, uh, pretty insane. Uh, if you ask me. Yeah. So you mentioned that it wasn't very practical, but like what parts or what exactly isn't practical? Is it the, like the skipping carbs completely for three days that suck? Or is it the, you need to eat so much on the other three days afterwards that you get sick? Or is it the combination of both or? Yeah, pretty sure it was both. So I think already uh, a couple days of pretty intense training with uh, not a lot of carbs will be tough, also mentally and also physically. And then also the three days where you have no training but need to eat a shitload of carbs. Um, because I think often uh, a lot of protocols, they say, um like a lot of carbs is like 10 grams per kilogram body weight per day so if you're like 80 kilograms that's 800 grams of carbs so that's already like what is like more than 3,000 calories per day and that's only the carbs that's not even protein or fat like yeah and if you're then not even exercising uh, you'll you'll probably have trouble also also maybe trouble on the on the toilet um but yeah i think i think quite quite fast after those studies because i think those first studies were also not not really done in in like very trained athletes um so i think quite fast uh, they were kind of looking for alternatives to see how you could like manipulate glycogen stores uh, just before a race but sir the the idea is solid and it, and it works like you kind of mm -hmm. starve your muscle from carbohydrates so your body starts upregulating uh, enzymes to uh, try to replete the carbohydrates so they're ready like as soon as we get carbs we're going to store uh, store as much as possible and then all of a sudden you introduce a lot of carbohydrates so it, it definitely works it's just like you say it's not ideal and especially i think the the mental part that you mentioned is quite important um, because like you say, you train three days, very intense while you're going pretty much as low carb as possible. So those trainings will be horrible. Like you'll just not be as good as you're normally. And then the next three days you don't train at all. So it just means the entire week before your marathon, you have basically not done a good training session, or at least you had no performance, uh, like you're used to and that can just mess with you like 
It's easy to read like, it's okay if your training isn't as solid as you're used to uh, because we're carbohydrate depleting. But at the end of the day, we're all human. If you just have a crappy training week before, um, before your big race, it just gets in your head. And then the other point that you mentioned of sitting on a toilet, uh, if you have to eat so many carbs, uh, you also tend to get quite a bit of fiber. Uh, so yeah, that can cause a lot of GI distress uh, yeah. if you're not used to it. I mean, I guess, I guess there, uh, sports drink could be helpful just because otherwise it, it will be pretty difficult to get all the, all the carbs in. Uh, so it is a way to increase your carbohydrate intake. Okay, so why why is it easier to get your carbs in with a sports ring then? Well, like you say, it's uh, so it's a fluid, so it doesn't really um, doesn't fill you up as solid foods. Um, yeah, and you also, for example, with with other food products, you you usually also have some fats and some protein, and that's also not really the case with a sports drink. So. I don't think you really need it for carb loading, but it could probably help if you really want to get high into uh, to your carbohydrate intake. Yeah, and, uh, the carbohydrates themselves are sugar, so it just requires less digestion. Um, mm. But then would you say, would you recommend people sports drinks or if they are like, can I just take like a cola or some soda like drink, would that not result in more or less the same effect yeah yeah for sure like the just like lemonade or i don't know like cola i think anything with with sugar aquarius (laughs) for the taste and a cool bottle yeah no i mean yeah and anything with with sugar would uh would do the trick i would say so um yeah carbohydrate loading quite important you don't have to do weird high low training high low carb strategies uh, you just need to taper towards the event where you do less and less training over the week uh, so you're not using up all your carbs and you slowly increase your carb intake every day up to the race is that an accurate summary yeah i've also seen some um some other protocols uh, i think it has been studied a bit less but uh, it's like very very short it's even like within a day and i think also with very high uh carb intake and like very low training load you can also even in a day like increase increase glycogen quite a bit um so that's also quite interesting um i'm not sure whether it has been compared directly with like a longer longer taping versus like a, a day but i think there's some more more evidence that uh, maybe you can you can even get the same result or at least a good result with uh, even shorter than than a full week um uh, not really sure about the specific yeah right, Milan. yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to ask are you familiar uh with that protocol yeah i think if you go let's say th- two three days before the event if you would have a very high carb intake and you would then also tape your training so it should go a bit down in, in the kind of training uh, load that you do then you can basically get the same results so if you look at the different so indeed the, this the protocol set that milan just discussed so first let's say the classical protocol the first one so the the more tough one 
uh, that works fine but then the the more moderate one the second one works as well and this is what they call now the updated one that's like a nice review article from 2009 17 or 19. um and they also showed indeed if you just do taper like let's say two days before you have a very very high carb intake and your training uh yeah your training is basically much reduced your training intensity your training duration etc then you can get the same results you can double the amount of muscle glycogen storage in, in your yeah, in your muscle yeah that's still such uh, it's it sounds so crazy to me that it's fairly difficult i would say in the long term to like build up your glycogen stores to just like keep increasing them but then like in such a short short amount of time you can somehow almost double it that is just so crazy yeah because it's something just that, yeah. yeah something that i was thinking about is that maybe it's good if we can kind of talk about what sport events we actually mean because we're mentioning yeah this is something you can do before an event but would you do it before a soccer game or before a gym session before a gym session right <laughs> milan does it milan does it every week <laughs> do it every I, day protein involved as well exactly it's french fries it's forever <laughs> carb loading that's why he's doing it it's continuously carb loading it's all cycle of it no, I thought uh, I thought we were preparing uh, Milan for a marathon. Yeah, <laughs> hypothetically. <laughs> hypothetically, but we all know that's not going to happen. So, Milan, what would it take for us to challenge you to do a marathon? Like I think a year-long uh, everyday I... capsule on our on our payment. <laughs> the triple I... is glycogen. <laughs> I just really. No, I, I don't feel... I'll put you on a paper. Do anything like that. No, it's just... I don't know. It's not worth it for me. No. I'll put then you on I a paper. I just also don't don't like running. Like, I do like cycling. So if you challenge me that I can cycle, like, I don't know, 100K or something, like, I, I would maybe take the challenge, but nah, not running. Okay. Sorry. All right, but so far, uh, carbohydrate loading seems quite important. But sports rings, yeah, if it makes if if it helps you get your carbs in, uh, it's great. But it's just a tool; it doesn't really have any unique benefits, right? Mm. All right, then on to the next stage. Uh, so now Milan is doing his marathon. <laughs> uh, does he have a benefit from sports sports rings during uh, during a marathon? Floof, uh, do you have some insights? Sure. So, yeah, let's imagine that Milan has uh, decided to run a marathon one day. Uh, I think he could benefit for sure for, from, yeah, let's say uh, ingesting carbohydrates during uh, the run. So if you use like a sports drink, for example. Um, yeah, so basically what happens is, is when you ingest carbohydrates uh, during exercise, um, your body will then start to use that and you can use that for fuel as well during the exercise. Uh, so not just what's already in your stores, but what you get from your, uh, let's say your drink. Um, what we also know about that is that, um, your, yeah, in your, um, gut, you have basically like these transporters that will transport the, um, the glucose, uh, and the sugars. Right. So that's basically how it goes into your system and stuff. Um, 
but we know that there is a certain limit to that. So if you keep ingesting more and more drink uh, or more and more carbohydrates, then you'll basically just start feeling sick at some point because it'll just start to accumulate uh, faster than you can actually use it. So that's something you also need to be careful of if you were to run a marathon. <laughs> okay, so is that the reason why you need your glycogen stores to be high at the start? Because theoretically, if you could absorb all your carbs, then you also don't need to be high as long as you take in enough. But you're saying you you cannot up your gut cannot take up carbohydrates as fast as you would like. Therefore, there's a limit to what you can burn from your drinks because you simply cannot take it up. And therefore, the loading is important. Um. So wait, what's your question? Whether loading is important? Or well, so I'm thinking like we discussed, yeah, you need to get this uh, glycogen as high as possible at the start. Mm -hmm. uh, but theoretically, that's not possible. Of not possible, it's not necessary if you could just burn enough carbohydrates from your sports rings during the event, right? But yeah. because you're, I think you're saying you cannot absorb uh, as much carbs as you want. There's just a limit to that. Uh, and that's not enough to support like your maximal intensity. And thus you still want to load as you basically want to do both. You want to load and you want to get as much from your drink as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, then I guess the big question is how, how do you know how much you can get from your drink? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so there have been studies done uh, showing uh, kind of the rate at which you can um, kind of use this this uh, these sugars um and it seems that there's a specific transporter for uh, glucose and those sugars but uh, and yeah so the rate of that is about what one gram per minute or something um but you actually like that's basically the cap you can't really go higher than that but there's kind of a hack for that um we know that fructose is actually used by a different transporter or transported with a different kind of uh, transporter um, so if you ingest fructose on top of your glucose, then you can actually increase that cap because you're using two different transporters to get the sugar in. Um, so I think that's what, like 1.2 grams per, per minute if you have both at the same time. Yeah, you can you can get a little bit higher, uh, up to 1.5, something like that. Oh, 1.5, yeah. But yeah. That's, that's pretty much, even at that rate, you tend to, most people tend to get start feeling it let's put it like that um right. so yeah i think in practice most people will stay a little bit below 1.5 even though theoretically they might absorb still most of it um okay so people have some guidelines then of how much carbohydrates should be in their sport drink so glucose and fructose uh like a maximum you're saying of one gram of glucose per uh per minute minute and then yeah. like half of that in in fructose yeah okay and do you know has that like is that like theoretical or has it been shown to improve performance uh like do you yeah, think the I, performance effect is like big small i believe that it has been shown but um yeah, the details on the studies, I don't remember. So uh, do you think people need to drink 
sports rings for this or can they get it from food or maybe sometimes you hear like gels or other products what uh, yeah what i mean like? it doesn't have to be a drink per se i mean drinks are good because um they're probably easier easier to physically ingest if let's, let's say you're running a marathon um i mean that's why gels also come in handy because um they also tend to be um they weigh less than like let's say like an actual bottle um kind of depends on the sport what you want to do i know cyclists as well they can ingest a bar easily on the on the go but if you're running that's kind of more difficult as well um but yeah i mean there's also other benefits of a drink versus solid food that you'll probably uh digest it more quickly because it's already a fluid um so that's kind of the benefit of that but as long as you're able to get the carbohydrates in i think that's good and as long as your stomach can handle it as well mm. um always issue so uh unfortunately none of, un of us has ever done a marathon but uh Kaz and i <laughs> have been to a marathon hey Kaz, what do i need to do to challenge you for a marathon depends on if it's a full a half or like a quarter one well what do you think uh, if i if it's one fourth of a marathon then i maybe i am down for it like I've I've never done a marathon, but I'm pretty sure I will do one eventually, just to get it off my list. And also, like a full one, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well to be honest, the one <laughs> that will be hilarious. I will come and watch. I <laughs> well, I, I doubt you. I'll give you the drinks as well. I I'll doubt <laughs> that you'll come and watch because the one I want to do is in China on the how is it called the the the, the, the big wall of China. So it's basically a marathon on that wall. So that's uh, pretty crazy. But uh, but Jorn, how much, like what's the longest you've ever, furthest you've ever run? I have no clue. Like 2K? But <laughs> no, more than 2K. But uh, well, before you were ever around, Alejandra, we did the Mudmasters with the M3 uh, group. Oh, I was okay. in tip top shape back then. No. So uh, okay. So you were but running like not well half a year ago or something. I think wasn't. No, no. I I I do run. I just I always when the topic comes up I act like I hate it, but actually I I'm pretty sure I outrun all of you. But you still anyway. Have voice in your head, right? <laughs> exactly. So uh, say say it again, Jorn. Well, so with run like with like most sports, it's easy to focus on like a quick event, like do a quick sprint, do a set of bench press, but with running is like, it just keeps going. So when I run, I always have a voice in my head that just says, if you stop now, all the pain is over, just stop. <laughs> well, if you bench press, it's like, you need to press this thing up, otherwise you die. It's very easy to get motivated for that. And then five <laughs> seconds later, life is awesome but with running is just every step you take you get farther away from home just turn around so uh yeah i have i have good debates in my head uh during running it's actually a good example Jorn, because I'm, I'm running this study in cyclists right where i'm like asking them to really deplete their glycogen so they have to really cycle till they really basically cannot go anymore and I'm also sometimes if there's like uh, if you if you talk to people ah maybe maybe interested in your study I'm one of the first questions are you like a really well trained cyclist because if you're not you have like people like what you just say they feel like yeah I can cycle or whatever they'll be in the bike and like after half an hour their their voice is like overruling their actual performance and it's like now I'm completely done and you measure them in the scan and they still have like a very high amount of glycogen 
that's not what, what I want. So that's that's actually interesting that these really good cyclists, they can really somehow go over that stage that they feel like okay, they also feel the pain, but they can just keep going and, and ignore it basically. How fast uh, do you get like, can you, can you already quantify your glycogen like on the test day or do you really have to sit down later and do your analysis? So yeah, with the scan, you mean then? Yeah. Um, yeah, you can you can see the peaks. So what you get is like a spectrum. So you can see like a peak of the glycogen on my screen when I have them in the M uh, MRI scan. Um, but then what? So what I can see, for example, if I measure them before and after cycling, I can see that the peak becomes smaller. Yeah. And the peak doesn't tell me anything else yet than that it's let us lower because the concentrations, we still have to do that uh, in post-processing or post-analysis. Um, but you can can get an idea of that, that the protocol has worked, but the exact uh, concentrations, we I, I don't know uh, on the spot. Then. No. But it's like, that's like, I've done glycogen work, but with muscle biopsies and you get that data like months later when you analyze everything. So I don't have halfway during my test day that I'm like, oh God, this guy barely did what he had to do. Why am I here? <laughs> but anyway, back to our marathon. Um, so Kaz and I went to, well, we went to a, to a sports science congress that was in Berlin. And there was also the marathon of Berlin uh, at that time. So we were what handing out uh, carbohydrate gels. Do you remember, uh, Kaz? Yeah. Do you know what year it is? No, I have no clue. It was, I think it was 2015. A while ago. Yeah, we're getting old. But I remember that well. Yeah, that was funny. I yeah. remember the best thing was I, what I remember. We were standing at that. Uh, was it the the Nestle? No, the um... power bar. Power bar, exactly. So standing at that power bar like stand, and uh, at some point we were like standing there with because we could give the gels to like these people. So we we're standing there, Jorn and me. And, well, like, so just all, very like, quickly. Meat. Sorry to interrupt, but just for context. So you're standing in such a way that someone can just run by and grab it without slowing down. It's not like there's a desk where you like the people yeah. don't like people who are crazy enough about their sport gels. They want optimal performance. So like you have to stand like this and they have to be very easily snatch it out of your hand. You can't hold it too hard. And uh, it's actually quite difficult uh, to because like every slight thing is just annoying to the athletes um, but go on Gus. yeah so the first the elite guys came by and they didn't even bat an eye they were just like straightly focused they didn't even watch at us and then yet like the whole group of the, the like the sub elite people like they came and they were like grabbing as much as they could and they were like falling over each other and like shouting at each other as well like oh, fuck you and uh, that was i was holy shit what's, what's going on here but then, and then I remember one guy, he took a gel from someone, I don't even think it was me, maybe yours, yours, and then he looked at it like, oh, fuck, there's caffeine, and then he threw it away, and then he was like annoyed because he already passed the stand, and he didn't have his gel. He probably was caffeine sensitive or something. But that was, uh, I remember these things quite well, because it was quite a, quite a funny, funny situation. But it's, uh, yeah. What you said, like that, uh, a lot of the elite guys pass the stand uh, because these guys tend to really plan out their nutrition. So they know exactly at this, this many kilometers, there's a person I know will be handing me exactly the product that I want in the exact quantity. Uh, so they won't go to like a free stand where, where uh, we were helping. 
But okay, so if I summarize uh, sport rings during an event like a marathon, uh, they can definitely help. Um, you don't want too much because they can even make you sick. Uh, and you want somewhere between 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates in a combination of glucose and fructose. Is that, uh, does that sum it up, Alejandra? Yeah. Perfect. So, uh, yeah, sport rings useful, but no secret weapon. Like a bar is just as good, theoretically. Yeah, I would say so. But like I said, again, it, it's circumstantial. Uh, depends on, I would say for a marathon, I, I, I personally wouldn't uh, go for a bar. Yeah. It's like uh, in, like a, if you do a Tour de France event, which is longer, you want to have some solid foods as well, where typically you see that the first half are mostly things like bars, and then in the second half, they switch more to drinks uh, and gels. Okay, so somehow Milan has survived his marathon. Uh, but then, uh, <laughs> then you have me again, who challenged him uh, to do it again in, uh, in two days. How is he ever going to do that, Gus? So uh, can he like recover quickly? Uh, those glycogen stores, does he have to load for a whole week again? Uh, should he take his AA, his uh, after act exercise? That's how it's marketed. So uh, hopefully the drinks are super useful there. What's your advice? Yeah, if he has to do another marathon and uh, two days later, then I would say take his AA. <laughs> <laughs> and a bit more than that because um yeah simply said i mean in two days marathon running uh it's a bit tricky because you get quite some impact on the muscles so you may have some muscle damage also depending on your training status in milan's case marathon running, he probably has like very sore muscles and a lot of muscle damage and in that case, we know from studies that it will take a bit longer before his glycogen stores can be fully recovered if you have a very high carbohydrate diet. So let's say about three days it would take him to be like at the normal level. But then the question would, of course, be, I mean, I know we're sticking to carbohydrates, but if he is indeed like good enough again to run and if he is not still sore from the previous marathon. But that's that's on the side, because let's assume that Milan is very well trained and his muscle soreness is not that big and um, he doesn't have a lot of muscle damage in that case he could potentially um, restore his glycogen stores in both the muscle as well as in the liver within these two days if he again has a very high carb diet so and let's say so let's say it was cycling gas yeah there's that's like a low impact sport uh less muscle damage how fast would he be able to uh, replete his glycogen stores? Muscle within within 24 hours and liver, I would as I, I believe it's even faster. With liver, I think it's about yeah, within 12 hours he can be they can be replenished. And maybe liver on the side on a quick notice also important to supply carbohydrates in, in your body during exercise. So it's also a, a good way to store carbohydrates just in general because you need it uh, for example if you go to sleep you need to fuel the brain with glucose and the liver is supplying that that glucose but also during exercise you can use that reservoir that's stored in the liver to to give you energy during the exercise for your working muscle so with that with cycling you can do that within within a day 
Um, yeah, with running it maybe a little bit longer and with things like uh, more impact. If you would go downhill, downhill running, for example, and a lot of eccentric or like um, uh, stretching contractions, um then it 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 will take longer so then again you'll go more towards the three days okay so a sport with muscle damage will take multiple days because collagen depletion is delayed then a sport without much muscle damage can be done within a day but you also have like sports uh that have like a tournament structure uh for example, something like ice hockey, where you have like five matches over a two day period. Uh, so how much can you accomplish like in, I don't know, in in four, four hours was maybe what you have between two matches. What would four you- Four hours, just in four hours. Yeah. I mean, you can replete your glycogen stores, but I mean, depending of course on the intensity and the duration of your previous exercise session, they will not be back to baseline. Uh, but if you if you really need to replenish them fast, you can do it by just ingesting a lot of carbohydrates. And maybe if it's the, such a short duration, what could be relevant is by combining again glucose and fructose, for example, in the simple form of a sugar cube, which is uh, sucrose, because sucrose contained, contains glucose and fructose in a 50 uh, or like a one to one ratio, so 50% of each. And that could be relevant because we we have shown actually that if you if you take in that mixture of glucose and fructose, that you will double your repletion rate of the liver. So and that is compared to glucose uh, glucose on itself. So if you would make the take the advantage again of, of combining glucose with fructose, you can actually replete your liver faster, and your muscle goes equally fast. So but overall in your body you will store more carbohydrates than if you would just take like glucose kind of products. And then for uh, these three scenarios, so let's call it super flat, fast repletion, let's say four hours, let's call it uh, relatively fast repletion, so within a day and in like two, three days after more muscle damaging sports. Uh, would you recommend sport drinks? Can, can Milan finally have his AA drink? Or would you recommend like whole wheat pasta or anything else? Like what type of carbs or does it barely matter? Yeah, it's, 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 it's really depending on the context. But to give you an example, if it's, if it's in the short term, so let's say the four hours, I would say try to get quite some carbs in and that can be helpful with sports drinks. But you also have to take into account you get a lot of fluid in your body. Then that may be a disadvantage for your next exercise session, depending on what kind of exercise it is. Um, so maybe you need you want to mix and get like an ideal combination of fluids with some solid foods, at least some that are very easily digestible. So some easy sugars, I would say. Um, if it's for longer duration, such as 24 hours or two to three days, then it's it doesn't really matter that much anymore. I mean, within if, if I would go back to the example of cycling and you need to fully replenish a day after, and I mean, given that you did cycling exercise, we know from studies that you can replete or can fully replenish your stores within a day. Um, then also studies have shown that it doesn't really matter if you would go for like some solid foods or if you would go for the sports drinks. I would probably say, just take a mixture if I would be the coach for athletes. Just That's... get some drinks and fast after, and then you can just get for your normal high carb meals. I, uh, this reminds me, you talking about glycogen reminds me of, again, that Congress in Berlin. Do you remember, uh, Brett Ruby, I think he's called? Yeah. Uh, Do you know what I'm getting at now? Uh, 
you mean the, like well, what happened there or no <laughs> no that's what happened there stays there <laughs> no um <laughs> he did uh he did a study where he compared like sports nutrition products so sport drinks yeah, sport yeah, gels to a fast, uh, fast food uh yeah. meal uh and then if you provide those two things in uh, with the same macronutrient content, uh, they basically do the same job. At Jorn, maybe don't say this because Milan will get happy. About it. <laughs> He's like, okay, now I'll sign up for the incentive now to, 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 <laughs> to, to, to use it. Then. So after my marathon, I can get a capsule. Exactly, that's what it comes down to. Basically. <laughs> that's all I needed to know. Or to the McDonald's, you can also re replenish your glycogen stores now. Okay, so I uh, I have to ask you this, Gus, otherwise Luke gets mad because he did a study on this. But what's the role of protein in all of this? Uh, for like glycogen specifically or for recovery? Yeah, for glycogen specifically. So protein is not a, on itself, not a good substrate for glycogen recovery. And of course, protein is built up out of amino acids. That's, I think, important to know because if people eat protein, it will be digested in the body into the amino acids and that can be used by the body uh, but those i mean even though there are quite some amino acids that are what we call glucogenic which basically means that we can convert them into glucose it still doesn't it's not being used by the body really as a good substrate source to use as uh, to restore your glycogen in the body but if you are one of these athletes that has difficulties um, with getting a lot of carbohydrates in the system, so not talking about guys like Milan here, <laughs> just like people that are actually having difficulties with getting a lot of carbohydrates in, uh, they could, could benefit from taking some extra protein because protein has also some amino acids that are insulinotropic, which means that they give like an, uh, an increase in insulin in your body. And that insulin can basically very easily uh, set, like open up your, your muscle cells and thereby you get more uh, carbs into, into your muscles. And you can actually really increase the glycogen stores in your muscles by mixing uh, a lot of carbs with, with some protein. Aside from, of course, the other benefit of protein, which is simply for the repair mechanism and the adapt adaptive response. So you can also use these amino acids to, to repair the damaged proteins during exercise, but also to rebuild and, and, and make actually new functional proteins that can help you in the long term. By with running, getting more mitochondrial proteins, for example, or to build your muscle if you would go for more into uh, strength training, if you look at it from a very black and white perspective. All right, so uh, glucose plus fructose, for sure and well in practice you probably always will consume some protein which might have some benefit if you didn't reach the optimal amount of carbohydrates is that uh, a good summary yeah uh, what about uh, so we discussed a little bit about uh you now let's let's first wrap this thing up so let me know if this accurately represents basically what you guys have told me sport drinks can help in all these circumstances but in none of these circumstances they are needed it's just an easy way to get in the required amount of carbohydrates sometimes in a cool looking bottle that tastes well <laughs> i would 
Yeah, I would agree, but maybe there I could think of some situations that if I would position myself as a coach, and especially during exercise, I would still advise them. And it's not only because of a quick way to get carbs in, but also because of the dehydration that occurs during exercise. Especially if you go into like hot environments, for example, and you sweat a lot, then I would say like they are at some point, they probably will be needed, or you have to drink water with like a, a bar or whatever. But then I think it's really yeah. more, much more convenient to go for like the mix of a sugary drink. Um, and the same may count for if you, and there's not that much research done on that area, but if you look at, um, for example, if I go back to before exercise, I don't think it matters that much because yeah, you can plan it really well in the days before, but also after a match and you really, let's say you do the Tour de France and you have to perform again the day after, then also you can still be quite a lot of, had a lot of um, uh, hypohydration, so you're dehydrated uh, after the exercise session, and it can also be useful and actually necessary to get uh, your fluid balance back to, to normal, because that could also hamper your recovery if it's not really, at like if you're not really well hydrated. Yeah. And that's then both of those situations where you see some use that is, I think, a pretty high level athletes, I guess. So if Milan would run a marathon, it probably wouldn't matter that much if he got it from a drink or a bar. No, no offense, uh, Milan. Um, but uh, if someone tries to run a sub two hour marathon, they want everything optimized and probably sport drinks are part of that. Uh, and then same if you have like a, a multi-day event. In practice, you're going to need sport drinks. That's, that's what I would say, yeah. And then uh, let's go to the, to the opposite. Let's say um, we have someone watching with, let's say, a 15-year-old kid that's quite ambitious in sport, uh, might have a good career in front of them. We don't know yet. They're too young to really determine that. But uh, they try to do everything well, so they always have like their sports ring during every soccer practice. Do we think that is absolutely not necessary? Do we think that is detrimental? Do we think it's potentially good? Where do we stand on that? Yeah, it's difficult. Um, it's probably not really necessary, um, even though in theory, if you would take some sports drink or carbohydrates, during during practice or during trainings you could train slightly better maybe but i think in the end like uh, it probably won't matter for in the in the long term so i mean i wouldn't and for sure as a for a child i wouldn't advise it but i think in general like i think most people don't really need it uh during practice it's it's more about when performance really matters and that's yeah, that's a race so yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't advise it at all yeah and um you now also have a line of thought that you should avoid or at least sometimes avoid carbohydrates during training uh the so-called train low have you guys heard of that and do you have an opinion on it yeah, I've I've heard of it. Um, I've actually never tried it myself, but um, 
Yeah, I think that the idea is, is that you deplete um, muscle glycogen. So, for example, with like a heavy uh, or intense training, and then you you stay low in carbohydrates. So, so you don't you you don't replete the glycogen stores, and then like you train again. I think that's that's kind of the idea that you train with low glycogen, and that should um, kind of like improve uh, especially fat oxidation or at least uh, the use of fat for for fuel during exercise and that would then eventually yeah, be beneficial during a race because if you can also use use fat more efficiently next to next to carbs then yeah, that would would improve your performance uh, but I mean yeah I've never never done it or anything like that so the idea is that sometimes you train with carbohydrates because you you know you you don't want your body to forget uh how to use carbohydrates and sometimes you train without and then the goal is to have like uh, the optimal capacity to burn fat because you're kind of trained in that and the optimal capacity to burn carbohydrates so kind of best of both worlds at least that's the aim um there's something to be said of that. I don't think there's very convincing evidence that it's better than like a normal carbohydrate diet. There's some suggestions that it might, in my opinion, nothing convincing. Um, what if we take it one more step to the extreme? Uh, let's say a ketogenic diet, uh, which is basically the same principle as train low, but then rather saying we sometimes train low so that we force our body to burn fat. Uh, now we we try to avoid carbohydrates as much as possible, and we really force our body to uh, burn as much fat as possible. Jorn, can I? It's a good point what you raised now, but can I quickly go back to the previous point about the, the let's say the periodized nutrition approach, where you are like in the fast? Because I I fully agree with what you said that there's not really a lot of convincing evidence. Also, Milan said there's, there are quite some studies that have shown that if you would not ingest carbohydrates, that you do see like the, the gene expression and like things in your muscle being upregulated that would lead, should lead to in the eventually to beneficial effects on things like fat oxidation, mitochondrial biogenesis. So where you make like more mitochondria that can be helpful to, to give you energy during exercise. Uh, but then there, also, there are few studies, especially if you look at, I mean, there are different strategies that you can apply with, with that periodized nutrition. And one of them is a sleep low approach, uh, where, for example, people are exercising really intensely before they go, basically in the evening. So before they go to sleep, then overnight, they don't eat any carbohydrates before. Also, of course, not during the night because they're sleeping. And then the day after, um, they would train again, basically. So with a low amounts of, of glycogen in the body. And then that approach has, there are at least a few studies that have shown that that could indeed lead to some performance benefits. Um, I would agree there's much more data that we need to really be like convinced, I think about that specific strategy, but there is some evidence to suggest that it may be beneficial. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree that the, the sleep low are, I would classify them as interesting but I think the same group of researchers, so Louis Burke uh, has done just done, let's call it similar studies, but then even better. And there you don't really see the benefit of periodized nutrition, even though 
it wasn't the exact sleep low approach but i think you know the study that i mean where they compare like ketogenic, ketogenic versus diet. high carb versus periodized yeah. uh, and they're very clearly the periodized diet made the athletes worse uh probably i'm uh, making some people upset now <laughs> Uh, no, but you mean you mean that the, with the elite race yeah. walkers that study? Yeah. Because that was the the periodized was as good as the high yeah. carb, and exactly. the, the ketogenic diet indeed was was worse. Yeah, but they're like until I've seen like a benefit from the periodized slash sleep low in a situation like that. The other ones are they're like I classify them as interesting, uh, but they haven't convinced me yet. Uh, don't no, get me wrong, that's that's now me as scientist talking. As a coach, I would definitely play around with a sleep low approach because it's a really low opportunity cost. There's not a whole lot to assume that occasionally training with a sleep low approach would make you worse. So I would definitely play around with it in practice. I'm just not convinced that it will result in positive adaptations. No, I, I agree on that point. But what I would say is that what I do find interesting, because there are now also studies that show no benefit of periodized necessarily over continuously high carb. So you could basically say you can use both for performance. But for example, if I go a little bit on a take a sidestep here, um, I think dentists would be way more happy if you would kind of sometimes have high carb and sometimes not. So if you look at overall health and like your, your mouth health, for example, your dental health, then it, it's, it's, I think as a coach, interesting to indeed play around. And if you don't need to have your athletes continuously on high carbs, then maybe it, it should be, it can be useful to, to use the carbs in a periodized approach where you um, basically you take them on the time that you need them and you don't take them on the time that you don't need them. And I mean, people may also say like, yeah, and also maybe for like insulin and that people get diabetic I, for an elite athlete, that's not nothing to worry about. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, of course I'm talking again about elite athletes here, not people that are on the couch or like standing, sitting, sitting the whole day behind like a microscope, such as Milan. Um, but like, uh, I think, I think the that, that, that's, is... that's good to take into account. I mean, sometimes people things may not be necessarily better, but they may give you the same benefit with, and maybe have some other like slight advantages that may be relevant for overall health, for example. I, uh, I like that Mr. Aesthetics uh, is worried about dental health. Yeah, but uh, it, it is relevant to the topic because sports drinks, of course, have like sugars where are not the best for uh, your teeth. But there was also uh, recently a study who looked at like carbohydrate oxidation. So how much carbohydrates can you burn as fuel uh, during exercise? And there they wanted to see if like these commercial drinks, uh, because they, they also tend to be like a little bit acidic. So that, they, that study was actually designed to look at the dental health effect of sport drinks. So it's not just the carbs, it's even slightly worse than that. Um, Again, like, yeah, everyone, some people are like, yeah, it's the last thing I would ever care about, but all things being equal, it is maybe something to take into account. Uh, okay, so what about just, we, we, we discussed a really talented kid. Uh, what about so, just... I think you still wanted, wanted to go into the ketogenic diet or not? Or yeah, well, I, I think I kind of indicated what uh, what I thought about it is that it's pretty consistently worse. I don't know if you have something uh, to add or maybe disagree. I 
for for elite athletes, I would agree. I would never advise an athlete to go into a ketogenic diet. Okay, and then for, uh, for an average person, people, for recreational people, I mean, if you don't do it, I mean, if you if you would say I feel better with it, and I'm not really con uh, concerned about performance. Yeah, fine. If if you. Feel but then like my question is, why would an average person do it if they're not that worried about performance? Because it's like it is relatively difficult. Like everyone reads about ketogenic diet and thinks like I can have bacon and eggs every morning and that's better. That sounds awesome, but yeah, they'll but I realize. Think of, I think a lot of people that I know personally who try to do a ketogenic diet, it's not for performance. It's because they're trying to. They think that's how they get lean. Yeah, um, but like but I'm quite opinionated on do, that. Do so. you know how many of those people like stuck to it for like six months or longer? Uh, no, none of them. I know that uh, <laughs> my brother, he like for a while got into the ketogenic diet, which is quite interesting. Um, and he also, like you said, Gus, like the people who say, oh, I feel better on it. Uh, so that I'm not going to tell him, okay, don't do it if you feel better. But then there's a part of me that's like, do you feel better or do you think you feel better? Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah it's but... maybe more it's maybe more with like the, the types of nutrition that they can eat some people indeed what yours are like oh, I love to eat bacon every morning I'm not saying it's more healthy I don't get me wrong <laughs> and I also think people can get leaner on a ketogenic diet but it's not because of the ketogenic diet it's yeah, simply exactly. because of the lower energy intake that they get by not getting a lot of carbs in because if you look at, look at carbohydrate products such as rice and pasta for example for the amount of weight they contain a lot of carbs which is then on average on total, actually, it's quite a lot of calories. So by not taking those, you can get leaner. Um, but I mean, you can also get leaner by just weigh your carbs or just don't eat and need too much carbs or just use them at the right times before you go training, for example. Yeah, that's true. So, and I, I've also heard with the ketogenic diet that like, you're just less hungry, just because carbs also with like, a fluxes and insulin and stuff like that that you also you, your hunger hormones also fluctuate as well um so there's that argument too but i'm uh, yeah, i'm skeptical okay. I, would, I could also say if you have fiber rich carbs you also yeah. can can get like i'm food, skeptical so. that yeah, the sure. ketogenic diet helps with uh let's call it true hormonal regulation of hunger uh i think if it helps, it's because if you cut out your carbs, you tend to increase your percentage of protein and that one is more hunger suppressing. Yeah. Uh, I doubt, so that like, that would mean that the average person, it might help, but it's more because they increase their protein, not because they decrease their carbs. But I, I don't have this, at the top of my head from the literature, but I doubt under protein matched conditions that a ketogenic diet uh, suppresses hunger. I don't like, I don't know if anyone of you knows the literature that well. No, I don't. This is just uh, speaking from anecdotal uh, stuff. <laughs> no, so it's it really like if you're going to eat bacon, I think you're going to overeat on a ketogenic diet. If you eat a lot of eggs, you're probably going to reduce your caloric intake. So it's like the one ketogenic diet is not the other ketogenic diet, right? So it's difficult to uh, to sure. judge them all. Okay, maybe one uh, last question that I can think of, and then uh, I see some questions from the chat. Um, we discussed like, would you give your 15 year old kid 
that's highly ambitious, wants to make to the NFL, would you give him a sports ring? Uh, maybe, maybe sometimes, Milan said. Um, depends a little bit on the context. Now, what about you have like, I don't know which age this happens, but you have like kids in high school and they have like physical education. So they have to do like one hour of exercise three times a week at high school. Should sport rings be provided? quite funny because uh when i was younger when i was like uh was a long time say, ago. no well, yeah basically no when i was about 13 years old uh in pe we had to run the mile every so often as part of our like uh like we get a grade if we get under a certain amount of minutes and uh i would always bring a bottle of sprite um just before the mile uh, and i would drink that and I'm pretty sure it ended up actually hampering my performance every time because I end up getting a stomach ache. But I was just convinced that like that's what I needed to the, the sugars to get me through. But yeah. <laughs> but that's like that's like in sports nutrition, one of the first things we always say is uh, don't do something when you have to perform that you're totally not used to. So if you all of a sudden start drinking a sports drink which you might not be used to before exercise. Just having fl just the fluid alone in your stomach, if you're not used to it, that might mess things up. If you have a lot more carbs than you're used to, that might uh, mess you up. But what do you think, Floof, should it, should it be encouraged for just average persons to, during every training, have some sport drinks or only so, if high performance is important? So your scenario was the average kid who just needs to like sport three times a week or something. Um, yeah. Definitely not before. I don't really see a use in that. I assume these kids are just, you know, having normal diets and they're not starving. So like they will have enough carbohydrates to get them through whatever uh, session. Um, probably not during either. I don't think that's going to help them because like I said, they don't need to perform at such levels where they're depleting their glycogen and, you know, um, after could be useful, but more from the standpoint of like, you know, recovery and and hydration and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I wouldn't say that it's, yeah, maybe because it tastes good. I don't know, but <laughs> not for, yeah. yeah, I don't see any reason why I would recommend it to someone who's not trying to like perform really well in a specific uh, sport. And what about sport drinks in the supermarket? Like, should they be there? Because like, I think we discussed this in the beginning, like we, maybe they're even sold more as soda than as for what we think that they're useful for, namely when performance really matters, probably when you exercise like 90 minutes or more. Uh, maybe they should only be available in, in web shops almost because now like teenagers are like, oh, I'll, I'll drink it just for fun, basically. Uh, like what I'm trying to get at, like, should sports drinks stay for, like, serious athletes, or? Well, if they taste good, and Casa's going to drink his Aquarius, then uh, why shouldn't we let him? <laughs> well, well, I could, I could, I could come up with some reasons why people shouldn't, because it's like, sports drinks are really good at what they're supposed to do. Uh, the problem is, what it, what they're supposed to do is be the most effective way to get in your high amounts of carbohydrates uh, that is only useful for like a niche, like high performing, serious competitors, basically. And 
I think there's quite some sales to average Joes who probably shouldn't have a drink that efficiently gets a lot of carbohydrates or any calorie in them. Um, so I think like- I know, I know what you're getting at there. Like, I mean, if I look at it just from a holistic perspective, then you can consider like, yeah, there's plenty of reasons why there's no problem. But if you consider that a lot of people are going to be drinking it who probably shouldn't, then that's like a lot of extra sugar, a lot of extra calories. Uh, so it ends up being an unhealthy choice. If it's marketed as a sports drink, you might think, oh, it's healthy. And then people will go for that and end up doing the opposite for their health. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. I think people should be more aware about if it's useful or not. I think it's a very interesting discussion that you can have, but it's also a difficult one because if you would choose to get them out of the supermarkets, then people may also think, oh, I'm going to buy, buy them online and bring them in my, in my bag anyways to school. And then it's actually a cool thing to have, a, like with cigarettes, for example, it's then a cool thing for like these young people. And that's also not what you want to achieve. So I don't know. I mean, and it's not something that it's not like a drug or something. I mean, carbohydrates is perfectly metabolized in your body. It's just like that the amount of drinks that they think is often not necessary and it can accumulate to it an increase in energy intake every day. And that's why yeah. people can get more fat. But um, I think the main thing is that people know like, okay, you don't need sports drinks most of the time. And no. if, that's what people then can use and they can still be available in the supermarket, but people should just be aware of that. Okay. You can buy them, but, and I think there's quite a lot of alternatives these days with like, for example, Coca-Cola zero or cola light or these brands that are, they don't contain sugar. And then I know there's also a lot of people say, yeah, but all like the sweeteners, it's also unhealthy. Uh, no, it's not, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, there are like alternatives that people can use and still have the taste of a cola, for example. Right. One more quick question and then I will uh, cover uh, questions from chat. Uh, I just remember because we discussed the AA in the beginning, I can't get over it. Uh, like recently, AA uh, has like a new new product uh, that also has branch chain amino acids added to mm. the product. Uh, you've done some research on branch chain amino acids costs. So do you think sport drinks should start adding BCAAs uh, to their formulations? I don't see a use of that now. Can you very can briefly cover why? It because, yeah, because branch chain amino acids have been um, thought of as a maybe a fuel source during exercise. Well, we know it's not it's not not better than sugar. Actually, it's worse than sugar. So. You may be simple. You may sim simply be better off by si just get like simple sugars in. Um, and also for recovery, I don't see a benefit because I mean we do see in, in, in research that with brain chain immunosity you can stimulate the the like let's say the acute muscle growth response. You can, but it's not better than if you take protein. And actually, if you take protein, it's a it's a better better way to to stimulate it. So also in that regard, I don't see why I don't see necessarily a benefit of brain chain amino acids there. I think it's better to just if you really have an intense exercise session for a long duration to get your simple sugars in to support that exercise to to at least you know exercise at a high, high uh, at high performance um, and after exercise if you want to focus on recovery you just need to get your protein meal in whichever that is is it chicken or quark or milk or capsulon for milan or these kind of things 
Okay, let's uh, cover some uh, questions from the chat. I actually think, Jorn, yeah, before you go to a good old chat again, <laughs> I think if people are really following these these kind of um, chats of us, that, that they will at, at some point will probably look up, what 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 is a capsule? What does that mean? We'll figure it out soon enough, especially from abroad that, that are not from the Netherlands and they don't know what it is. They look it up maybe, and they maybe just see it's a barber. Like I, I, I'll put on a photo. My assumption is that like four percent of all our followers know what research Milan does, but like eighty percent <laughs> knows that he loves capsules. <laughs> okay, so uh, on the Discord, Adam maybe asked one more thing, and that's actually oh, I think good insight. I'm I'm so Milan sorry, actually... Chad. I don't know if we're gonna get to your questions ever. Yeah, Chad has to wait. So <laughs> Milan actually on his what? on his door in his office, he has a picture of a capsule where he is bathing in it. Yeah, that that, that means enough that so, people know this guy loves a capsule. Maybe quickly for the people who are listening to this and not uh, not watching it. So it's an aluminium tray and it has fries, then it has kebab meat, then it has a shitload of garlic sauce, then it has a shitload of cheese, <laughs> then you melt the cheese. And then you put like two uh, leaves of lettuce on it for you know, the, the healthy snack. And then uh, then it's finished. That's a capsule. When I, uh, like when I went to the first like time to uh, Canada, they asked like, have you ever had a poutine? And I'm like, no. So they gave me a poutine and I just started eating it. And they're like, you don't seem very impressed. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, yeah, this is like one fourth of a capsule on like you just left out <laughs> three quarters of the ingredients. But OK, <laughs> I'm going to try again. Let's go to the chat. So Adam asked uh, that. Uh, so in, in this case, Fluv discussed that you need glucose and fructose to optimize the total amount of carbohydrates that you can ingest uh, per minute. Uh, he asked, is that still useful? So if you consume less than 60 grams per minute, do you still have benefits from a mixture or can you then just take glucose on its own? Um, well, I never thought about that, but if I just, yeah, I, I think if you are under the maximum that you can uptake uh, for glucose and there's no point in needing to add fructose as well because you're already like it's not going to how do i say this let's say like you have um you need a gram per minute to reach your cap and you're only getting half a gram per minute then it doesn't matter if it's 0.25 fructose 0.25 uh glucose it can just be half a gram of whatever right yeah. yeah, so that's theoretically correct. And it's also in practice correct. Uh, there have been studies done like that, and they very clearly show that it doesn't uh, matter. So only once you get above that one gram of glucose, and you can no longer take up more glucose, then you're better off by switching everything above that to fructose. And um, Adam had another question. Uh, let's see, what was it? Oh, yeah. He asked if we can discuss high molecular uh, uh, carbohydrates. Anyone of you familiar with this? High molecular carbohydrates? You mean like 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 rice and stuff like like complex carbs? No, no, no. So you have so within the category still sugars, you can have higher molecular uh, carbohydrates like cyclic dextrin, uh, for example, is one. Uh, and the idea is because they have a higher molecular weight, they're uh, hypotonic. 
And there's some data suggesting that that uh, increase gastric emptying. And uh, well, to summarize, I don't think they're very useful, but now let me <laughs> explain why I, uh, how I arrive at that conclusion. Uh, the main reason is because I never hear anyone in the field uh, about them, which means there's just not a lot of people who've discovered positive things about them. Otherwise they would be talking about it every chance they have. Um, I know there is uh, at least one study that shows that an, the same amount of carbohydrates uh, in a high molecular uh, form versus uh, just straight glucose improved glycogen rates, suggesting like, oh, maybe they have some benefit. But in that study, uh, a suboptimal amount of carbohydrate was used to begin with. Uh, there's also a study that has given then the high molecular carbohydrates versus glucose during exercise. But in that study, uh, an optimal amount of carbohydrates was given and uh, there they found no benefit whatsoever. Um, so I think this is one of those things again uh, where maybe it's useful when you haven't reached the optimal amount of carbohydrates, which could make sense if you have faster gastric emptying. Well, that's a benefit. But once you've hit the optimal amount of carbohydrates, uh, the uptake in the stomach again is the limiting factor. So even if it goes faster to your, uh, to your uh, stomach, if you're then your GI tract is the limiting factor. It's not going to help anything. Um, but those two studies are the only one I'm familiar with. So one positive, one not positive. But the, the one that's not positive is the one uh, during optimal conditions. So I value that one a little bit more. And then combined with the fact that I've, other than that, have never heard anyone about it, um, makes me skeptical that they have a whole lot of application. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I know about the topic. Uh, let's see here. Okay. I'm going to read this out loud. I think this is our former, uh, intern Francesca. If so, hi Francesca. Uh, Hey guys, given that sport drinks are not always necessary for physical performance per se, are there studies looking into sports, simple carbs based and cognitive performance slash decision making during sports? Yes, that's a good question. Um, and there are some studies that give carbs uh, during exercise and look at, at skills. And it seems to be that also there it can be it can be useful or beneficial, but it also of course depends on how much you already have in the body and how fatigued you are, etc. Uh, because for example, I think if you look at fatigue with exercise, you can be centrally fatigued and peripherally fatigued. So peripherally is more into the muscle. So for example, you run out of your glycogen stores there, so you don't have the the fuel. And in the, also in the brain, you also need to have glucose, enough glucose to be able to think, to make decisions, to, to also to have like for your skills in general, because of course everything comes from your brain towards your muscle, to, to, to tell your muscle basically what, what, what they should do. And if you get fatigued there, you can also um, decrease your performance. And then studies have shown, and it's, it's not as well researched as like really looking peripherally with fatigue, for example, but there are like quite some indications that if you give 
carbohydrates during exercise that you can also at least maintain your skill decisions etc and um yeah so so basically you it can be useful for for, for that regard and if it is francesca i would also say hi to francesca so <laughs> yes uh, it, from you again. it's her she uh, confirmed in the chat so uh yeah within this topic i only know of uh one study where carbohydrate supplementation during uh like uh basically soccer skills like they they just put it like let's call it a soccer training with all kinds of soccer skills um, people were just faster at doing all the necessary skills like they had to just dribble with a ball certain routines and then pass the ball um, so there is some suggestion that carbohydrates can also be beneficial for like skill sports uh, which are not as simple as just can my muscle keep working no you actually need to coordinate your your muscles yeah what i also think is interesting in that regard um i mean now i may go quite deep but your brain can 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 use of course the ketone bodies we know if you're like in a ketogenic diet and your your brain uses that but it can also use of course the glucose and lactate so both are very good fuel sources for the brain and studies have shown that if you if it can like has sufficient glucose and lactate available and indeed can also perform optimally there and if you go back to the to this uh, glucose fructose situation we also know with fructose you it will be converted in the liver first to either glucose or lactate and maybe i go too 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 much into depth now but i think that's also interesting to see like if you can also increase your lactate levels as well that can also be used by the brain and also in that way may uh, way be 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 useful yeah. as a fuel source and help your brain in whatever it needs to do decision making and stuff yeah so to quickly add onto that uh so for some people this might sound very shocking because lactate and lactic acid it always uh, we have always been taught like oh no that's causing that burning feeling uh, that's just incorrect uh, it's quite the opposite lactate uh, is actually a useful fuel source in your body uh, let's not get into it uh, anymore um, but if there's one thing to take away lactate uh, is not a bad thing um, Maybe one thing that uh, I had to think of when you said central versus peripheral fatigue costs is what I uh, find quite interesting. Oh, this actually gets back to what we discussed earlier with if you stop now, the pain is over. Uh, I am very aware of that. Apparently not everyone is, but science actually shows that everyone thinks like that subconsciously. Um, because you have studies where people, uh, for example, they get instructed to do as many reps as possible on a leg extension. And then for every rep they can do, they get like 10 bucks. So they have an incentive to do as many reps as they can. And then they're like, sorry, can't, can't do it. I wish I could. And then they put electrodes on the muscle and then the muscle contracts and they can do another two repetitions extra, which show that the energy systems in the muscle are not the limiting factor. Something in your brain is telling me, no, no, just stop. Either it, maybe it's pain or just fatigue or subconscious fear for injury, but the muscle could theoretically and practically continue. So that's so theoretically, uh, theoretically, maybe psychopaths would be the best at training because they wouldn't have that. Well, you could argue that every elite athlete is a psychopath like by normal people's standards right like yeah they also have like the uh the expression like 
obsessed is a word made up by the lazy or something. Like it's all like when, <laughs> if you train 20 hours, is that healthy? Is that like admirable? Is that crazy? Is that, yeah. Is it an addiction at that point? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like if you win world championships with it, it's, it's difficult to call it an addiction. But I don't know. <laughs> okay, guys, I think uh, it's about time to wrap it up. Time to uh, load some carbohydrates, refuel our brain glycogen. Uh, you guys, any any shout outs you want to do to your mom, your aunt, to the chat? Any wise <laughs> remarks? Sa'a is the best. Perfect. Wait, what? What did you A -A say? A-A drink. Ah-ah. Uh -uh. Oh, ah-ah uh -uh drink. <laughs> uh, Milan, we know you would disagree. Yes. You would go with yeah. your uh, gay ass. Yep, salon. Salon de coiffeur. <laughs> <laughs> during maybe a marathon we can order the, that one next friday Milo. maybe we should just during uh maybe we should set like once we hit this many podcasts idea. we should just do a podcast about a capsulon we all eat one live so chat can really see how it looks next to your head we analyze the nutrient profile uh and then, then milan has something to look out for okay guys thanks again we'll do one uh, soon Probably not, but we'll do one soon. And I'll see you in the next one. Ciao, ciao.